This episode of Ministry Monday is brought to you by Ministry Scheduler Pro. Take the pain out of volunteer scheduling with powerful, easy-to-use software designed especially for scheduling liturgical ministries. Get started with a free trial at ministryschedulerpro.com. From NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, this is episode 219 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy, produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I am your host, Amanda Bruce. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to Ministry Monday wherever you listen to podcasts each week. And hey, thanks for joining us today, and Happy Easter! We hope your Holy Week and Easter Sunday celebrations were filled with music, prayer, and joy at the resurrection of our Lord. We know this episode comes to you on Easter Monday, a day where pastoral musicians are hopefully resting after Holy Week, but we hope that this episode from the Ministry Monday archives allows you to strike while the iron is hot, metaphorically speaking, whether that is today or later on in the octave of Easter. One of the best practices I learned from a fellow pastoral minister was to take the time to write down what went well and what didn't almost immediately after a momentous liturgy or time like Holy Week would take place. So for events like Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and Triduum, it helped me to refine the following year's preparations and make my work more efficient. For example, if I needed an extra song at the washing of the feet on Holy Thursday, I knew to add another one just in case for next year. Truthfully, I also wrote down what didn't work, and I earmarked that for next year. And so we listen to the episode at hand today. You will hear former Ministry Monday host Matt Reichert interview Mike Novak about this topic of liturgical assessment with the hopes that more than anything, it will help you to pause, regroup, and prepare for another season of Prayerful Liturgies next year. Effective. Today we are continuing this thread of practical, strategic, and professional topics by discussing the concept of liturgical assessment. Now, before you hit the skip button or push pause, consider this question. How effective are your parish liturgies? If your response was negative, what high-impact steps can your community take to address this ineffectiveness? If your response was positive, what objective evidence can you point to in order to back up your claim? Liturgical assessment is not about imposing or challenging musical or aesthetic taste. 
It is not about evaluating the personal worth of you or your volunteer ministers, and it is certainly not about the style wars. It is about giving good, accurate, real information about the experience of those who participate in your liturgies so that you know what your community does well and so that you know exactly what to do about those things your community doesn't do so well. To help us understand the process, we'll speak with assessment expert Mike Novak. As always, you can find more information about today's show, our guests, and other resources in the show notes for this episode on our website, ministrymonday.org. Make sure you visit today's show notes to download three helpful resources that Mike will discuss in our conversation. An outline of an assessment process, an assessment form, and sample parish assessment results. We begin with Mike Novak. In his work at the parish and diocesan level, as an editor, author, and workshop presenter, Mike has seen it all when it comes to parish liturgical practice. As he seeks to assist parishes in improving their liturgies, Mike knows that those directly involved in the liturgy are often the poorest evaluators. Process matters, and accurate and reliable information is critical for any real progress to be made. This summer at the NPM National Convention in Baltimore, Maryland, Mike shared some of his experience and expertise, and now he'll share it with all of us, too. Mike joined me from Franklin Park, Illinois. So, Mike, this concept of liturgical assessment is really intriguing to me. So, um, maybe before we really get into what it is or how to do it, is this, is this a fairly recent notion? Is this something that's been around for a while? Oh, I think the idea of doing some kind of uh, assessment of the how liturgies are done in parishes have been that idea has been around for a long time, um, and it's it's had a, a few different uh, rep- representations over the years as to how it might best be performed. I think at one point um, we might have talked about uh, liturgy evaluation. Uh, but to me, that that word has uh, a little bit of a sense of judgment to it. Sure. But like, I like to tell the the story of uh, years ago when I worked in the worship office in Milwaukee, and my daughter was young, and she had she had no idea what it is that I did. And you know, it would have been easier for her if I had been a firefighter because she could tell her <laughs> friends, well, you know, Dad's a firefighter. But um, she uh, decided. Uh, one one day that uh, she finally figured out what it is that dad does. And she would tell her friends that dad tells parishes what they're doing wrong. <laughs> and that's exactly what I don't want a liturgical assessment process to be. I think it needs to be uh, as neutral as we can make it, a way of looking at what we do and how we do it, and then try to learn from that so that we can make improvements. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so what? I guess the the way I start with something like this is is to ask questions about well, why do you want to assess the liturgical life in your parish? Um, and usually people come back and say, uh, well, you know, things aren't going well. Ministers aren't showing up. The lectors are poor. Musicians are struggling. That kind of thing. If you have if you have a good process, 
um, it can give you the support that you need to address those issues without uh, falling back on personalities. Yeah. Uh, and, and do you do you see, Mike, is this is this, um, at least in the places with which you've worked or you've heard of, is this type of um, undertaking of assessment something that usually begins in a place where it's felt that something isn't working? Or is this something that parishes will undertake just sort of as an ongoing developmental exercise? I think probably the impetus, for the most part, is going to be in places where they feel something isn't going right. Sure. Um, but I, I think there are some uh, folks who would say, well, you know, we've been doing things well here for a long time. Maybe uh, we want to step back and take a look and see what's going well and, and why, and then maybe take a look at ways that we can still improve. I think there's that, there's that aspect to it as well. Yeah, and I would think so. So, I mean, my my background um, is in education, and of course, assessment is huge in education, um, from <laughs> accreditation and you know standardized testing and all of that. And and one of the things that I would oftentimes remind my teachers and parents about is that assessment is not necessarily there to tell us what's wrong. Usually we have a right. deficit you know, mindset when it comes to assessment, but oftentimes mm -hmm, it's there mm -hmm. for validation, right? To, right. to show. And, right. and I would think that that would be a really helpful framework for a lot of parishes to think, yeah, it's helpful to identify where we have growth opportunities or how we might tackle some of the things that we feel. But also, you know, the, the number of places that have these storied traditions of this is how we do things and this is what people like, well, assessment might validate that or or maybe mm -hmm. not, <laughs> but I imagine right. might also help a little bit in, as you as you think about our, our, you know, the, the way we like things in our traditional practice. Well, and I think it can also provide support for the ministers themselves, the validation for what they do and the approaches that they take. And that, that can, you know, how hard it is sometimes to get positive feedback yeah. in, in the work that we do. And this, this could be a way that, that, uh, that gives that to you. Yeah. So, uh, those, yeah, those are at least some of some of the ways that people say, well, you know, this is this is why we want to assess the liturgical life of the parish. Right now. Now, I want to ask you about some of the practicals about what this looks like and all that. But before mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. maybe this is, you know, this might be jumping ahead a little bit in terms of the process, but especially in, you know, times like like these in which we're living, um, both in the church and outside of the church, it seems like, you know, getting into this type of parish assessment can be really helpful, but it's hard to um, perhaps get good objective feedback. And I would imagine, especially as you're looking at liturgical life of a parish, it can be difficult to not slip into style wars or questions oh, sure. of taste as opposed sure. to real real um, high-level assessment. So as if, if someone's listening to this saying, all right, there these two guys are talking about liturgical assessment. I'm going to turn it off because it sounds like style war stuff like how mm -hmm. how do you keep that stuff out of it well i think that's where uh the process that i uh that i've been talking about is helpful in that uh what i, I try to do because well let me step back a minute um when we talk about liturgical assessment and things that people have tried before uh, i i have run across uh there are common missteps that people make when they're when they attempt a process like this. So, for instance, the first one is the idea of soliciting opinions or preferences or likes and dislikes. Um, uh, like uh, questionnaires are a bad idea. Yeah. When when I when I was very 
fresh and starting out in the ministry in my very first parish i you know said gee wouldn't it be great if we could just put a questionnaire in the bulletin and find out what people think about the liturgy but uh, wiser heads prevail <laughs> because it, as as one person said don't ask any questions that you don't want the that you want to hear the yeah, answers right, to right right <laughs> um so soliciting opinions is, is bad because it leads to just the kind of thing that you're talking about, where we're getting into style wars. And what you want to do is try to establish some objective criteria that people agree on. We can use these to, or as objective as we can humanly make it. Uh, so the idea would be to give um, the people who are doing the assessment some formation. Uh, uh, so everyone has the same starting point and the same language with which to talk about uh, the, the things that they see during um, liturgical celebrations. Yeah, of course, so, of course. So, so well, know, why don't we why don't we then go back to where um, you know perhaps people who are listening are, are thinking? If you could walk us through, like, what does a what does a typical process look like, or or sort of a process that you would recommend people begin thinking about? How how does that look? How does it unfold? Well, I think I think the thing that you, you can look at is. Um, kind of a three-step process. The first step involves formation. So if you want to gather together a group who are going to be doing the assessment, um, you're going to form them, going to give them some background, some of the basics in good liturgical principles. Uh, then the second step would be the actual assessment, where they they go out to, uh, they go to the liturgical celebrations that are agreed upon ahead of time. We're going to go to the 7.30 Mass and the 9 o'clock Mass and the 11 o'clock Mass and maybe some other uh, school liturgies or whatever. So they go out and do the assessments. And then the third step is follow-up. So after, after the assessments have been collected, um, there's an opportunity for the people to get back together again, to listen to what everyone has had a chance to say, and then to uh, present uh, to ass assess the assessment, if you will, sure, and and to discuss what they saw and to see how that uh, they can come up with a list of items that might need to be addressed or a list of items where we say these things are going well. So three steps: formation, assessment, and follow up. Is yeah. the way that I would look at it. Yeah, no, I think I think that I think that that makes sense, and it, it seems um, pretty scalable, regardless of the size of parish we might be in or right. how many right. masses there are. And and I would imagine that as a starting place, and and maybe I'm wrong, but I would imagine as a starting place that if a parish was to start thinking about this, the the time to begin is not you know triduum. <laughs> or something like that, that that I would think that I would think that we we would want to start with something like, you know, the Sundays of ordinary time or perhaps Advent. Right, I right. mean, is that is that true? Mm -hmm. Is that your your feeling, too? Yeah, because one of the things that you're going to want to do is you're going to want to have time to do the formation and then you're going to want to have time to do the follow up. And it's it's not a good idea, generally speaking, to try to do that when there's a lot of other things going on. Um, I, I have found that what generally works best uh, for the typical parish is to try to do something during the fall so you can get things started when people are first gearing up for lack of a better term for gearing up for the school year and then uh 
assess the liturgies maybe in October or so, and then have some time for the follow-up in November before things really get crazy for yeah. Advent and Christmas. Yeah. No, and I, th- I think that's wise because I, I, I there are a lot of people I hear from, you know, if I ask about what their parishes or their community's liturgies are like. And a lot of times people will talk about the moments that are really special. Like, oh, we mm-hmm. have a wonderful mm-hmm. festival choir, and at Christmas we have the brass ensemble. And, and, and that's that's fantastic. You know, I'm not, I'm not criticizing that. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes if we really want to know what— how well are we doing as a whole? We have to look at the the, the basics. And I think oftentimes, sure. like what you're talking about in the fall, or you know, sometimes even this time of year, ordinary time mm-hmm. in the summer, mm-hmm. really shows all the warts or the cracks. You know, I mean, great. I'm sure at Christmas we have wonderful hospitality ministry, I would hope. But how are we doing for the 16th Sunday in ordinary time in July? <laughs> you know, I mean, so I, right, so I think right. that that recommendation to look at, you know, the fall or ordinary time, something like that is really, is really apt um so 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 we've got our group um is there is there a certain um sort of makeup of this group that you would recommend or a cross-section of our community you read my mind um (laughs) (laughs) part part of the the impetus for designing an assessment in this way was in in my experience in the archdiocese of milwaukee when i would be invited to a parish to come and uh, assess their liturgies it felt kind of odd for me to step in and and be the guy who was you know sitting at the liturgies and making notes and then making a report to the worship committee because while it it could be useful for them to get uh, the reaction of someone from outside who can look at things with fresh eyes Um, i didn't know the community necessarily very very well i didn't know why they did some of the things the way they did and it it felt odd for me to to come in and be the guy who said well you're doing this and you're doing that and so on and so forth and so what i began to develop this notion of getting together uh people from the worship committee um or uh, pulling together representatives from different phases, different areas of parish life, um, and taking time to sit down with them and um, take. I, I've um, put together what, what I guess we could call the the instrument or assessment tool, and half of it is really uh, a a listing of some basic liturgical principles, and then the other half is questions that are based on those principles, and this tool can actually be used as uh, a basis for forming the people in good in uh, good liturgical practice and then they can they can go out and assess the liturgies based on uh, the formation that they've received in in going over this tool um, so then it, it seemed to work better to have people who are me- members of the community who had a stake in what's going on uh, to be able to uh, have a voice in and whatever the assessment process would be yeah. So so I would imagine then that that means um, you have a cross-section of parishioners in terms of age yes. groups or mm-hmm. um, in terms of family size, which masses they attend, that sort of thing, right? Right. And so there's not an assumption then that they are necessarily grounded explicitly in uh, liturgical principles. Right. And so there's an opportunity to give, get everyone sort of on the same page right at the outset. And if 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 they're if they're given that kind of formation then it moves us at least one step away from well i like this better than that yeah, and moves right. it in terms of how does this 
match up with what I've learned about what should be happening in in good liturgical celebrations. Yeah, right. So it sounds it sounds to me, and, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds to me like um, when you mention the the people who are part of this group ought to be people who are stakeholders or who have some sort of mm-hmm, investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I hear in that is saying that the people who are members of this group should be members of the parish, but perhaps right. not necessarily people who are at mass every single Sunday in the parish. I mean, I, I would think that, you know, if if I bring in somebody from the neighboring parish, okay, I get an outside perspective, but I'm going to mm-hmm. get a lot of, well, this is what we do. And that may or may not be helpful, right? Right, um, right. But I would think it would be interesting. Um, several weeks ago, we spoke with uh, Bob McCarty about his research into disaffiliation among young Catholics. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in, in, in that conversation and in a lot of research about, um, you know, disaffiliation or church membership and different generational um, uh, differences, um, the, the sociologists will talk a lot about the bare spots, right? So if you look at your entire congregation and you think of it in like, you know, age segments, where are the bare spots? Okay, we've got people mm-hmm. up to the age of 16, and then they kind of drop off until maybe about mid-30s. We don't have a lot of people who are in their early 20s, whatever. And and surely we have members who are in those age groups, but they might not right. be in the pews. And I, I would mm-hmm. imagine it would be interesting to say, let's, let's see if we can get a couple of parishioners who are not active in our weekend liturgies to give feedback just to see what that perspective might be. I mean, is that something that seems like it would be recommended? Is that something that seems like it would be maybe maybe not so wise? I, I think I think it's a good idea. Um, when when I was talking with with the, uh, the the folks at the NPM workshop, uh, one of the things that I said was, you know, you as the 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 person who might be conducting this process are the music director, the liturgy director. Um, you are so close to some of these things that you can't see well necessarily what's going on. Things happen that just become part of the furniture. And so uh, we talked about the the possibility of uh, inviting a neighboring liturgy director to be part of the process. Uh, That was one thing. But it seems to me that by extension, you can get another set of eyes that are less familiar with what's going on um, by uh, inviting people who don't, who are parish affiliated, but not necessarily ones who come all the time. Um, And that, could uh, could give you some very important information about what you could consider doing that might make the celebrations more attractive yeah. uh, or inviting for the people who ha- who have uh, stepped away a little bit, perhaps. Right. And, and I would think that uh, that you know when we talk about those those experiences, that what we're not talking about is how do we put you know a lot of glitz and glamour and shine and lipstick on this thing to attract people. I mean, we're really trying to figure out what is the experience of different people. So Mm -hmm, if I'm mm -hmm. someone who hasn't really been too active in the parish where I'm a member, and I can talk about my experiences of, well, here is how I have felt not welcomed when I come. Well, Mm -hmm. that's, that's a, that's a great data set to know and and an easy thing to address. And I would think also to our previous point of, um, this also is just good 
affirming information, this, this will help challenge and affirm assumptions I'm sure we have about why doesn't this group of people or this family or that type of person come to our liturgies. Well, mm -hmm. sometimes I think people think young people don't come because there isn't the electric guitar. Well, is that really the case? I think, I think right. sometimes yeah. mm -hmm. this would help us figure out, well, no, it's not right. just what right. music we sing. It's the whole total experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really valuable. Um, Mike, if you would, and I, and I should I should say to our listeners that um, both the, the three-part structure and then also the sample of this instrument that you're talking about will make available on our website in our show notes, at least for a period of time. So if if people are listening and wondering what does this look like, um, they can they can find the the PDFs there. Um, but could you say a little bit now about this assessment? Um, so someone who hasn't downloaded this thing yet, like what are the what are the types of areas or categories that you've identified are important for people to consider when doing one of these assessments? Well, sure. What what the assessment tool uh, looks like is it lists, as, as I said earlier, some basic principles for liturgy. And uh, oh, by the by the way, to get back to something you were talking about earlier, something went off in in my mind that uh, in addition to getting the input from people who maybe don't show up all the time, if they're participating in this process, it could also be good formation for them. It's kind of like Absolutely. a two-way street. Absolutely. So the communication works both ways. And perhaps by extension, the people with whom they associate, they say, hey, did you know this? And so on and so right. forth. No, that's a great point. That's a great yeah. point. So that's kind of an aside there. So um, the the things that are listed for as principles for liturgy include something as basic as full conscious and active participation being paramount. It's, it quotes the liturgical document, the Constitution on the Sacred Liturgy, that says that that is the aim to be considered before all else. And then the, the tool lists a, a number of questions that speak to that uh, that experience. So if the full, if full conscious and active participation is a value that uh, should be promoted by a liturgical celebration uh, and reflected in those celebrations, uh, you can ask questions like, uh, what's the manner in which people are greeted and made to feel a necessary part so that they can participate fully? Uh, what's the manner of the presider? How does the ritual actively engage the assembly and elicit their responses? Uh, so those are some sample questions that relate to that. Some of the other uh, the other principles are that uh, about liturgical ministers. Uh, it needs to be clear that they're members of the assembly. It needs to be clear that the the job of the ministers is to minister, and so how well prepared are they to do their ministry? Um, there are uh, questions that address knowing what our actions signify. Um, so as, as one example, sort of a contemporary example uh, that we've run into a few times now, is um, there are some places where the priest likes to put the pall back on the chalice uh, at various times during the Eucharistic prayer, and yet people have noticed, well, he's not putting a pall on all the other cups that have wine in them. And so what does that action signify when that right. doesn't happen? Right. And what we're trying to do with an assessment tool like this is not to say, this thing is happening and I don't like it, or this thing is happening and I like it, but rather to say, here is something that to describe what's happening and, and to describe it in context of this principle that's laid out. So uh, while there's a value judgment, it's not a value judgment of uh, preference so much as 
how does this match up with the principles that we've come to understand? Yeah, no, I, I think that's great. And one one of the um, one of these items here that just anecdotally I want to point to is the third item. You mentioned it before. Liturgical ministers are members of the assembly, and I think mm-hmm. I think this is important because then in your your question column, um, the first two bullet points: first, how does their physical location support this principle? And second, do they pray and participate along with everyone else? I think this is huge because I will hear, you know, every parish wishes we had more people involved because oftentimes we have a pretty small rotation of, you know, extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion mm-hmm. and electors mm-hmm. and cantors and everybody else. And and certainly there are other talents within the congregation that we could use, but those people just don't come forward. And I remember right. distinctly just a few weeks ago having a conversation with someone in my own parish who usually sits a pew or two behind me um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and mentioning something about, you know, have you ever thought about being a lector or a Eucharistic mm-hmm. minister? And and his response was no, because as we were talking, it was pretty clear that he sort of held the group of people who were, quote unquote, worthy or eligible at a whole different plane because, well, they're, you know, this smaller group of people and they sit in this special place and this is how they do this. And I just don't have that information and I need to be with my family. Um, and, and it's one of those, mm-hmm, like you said, mm-hmm. unintended messages when That's right. everybody sits in this pew together. And, and again, that, that might be nice and it might be good for those people. But if we're not aware of those things, right. it's right. That's the kind of thing that sometimes gets in the way. Or the second bullet point ought to be an ouch moment for a lot of people in music ministry, right? <laughs> Do they pray sure. and participate mm-hmm, along mm-hmm, with everyone mm-hmm. else? Or is this the sign of peace? Or is this the creed? Or is this the homily or whatever? And we're all over there doing whatever because this is our third mass for the weekend. You know, again, yeah, what right, a right. what a symbol that, that sends. So I think I think this is valuable in helping bring some of those invisible points, you know, like, like you mentioned before, um, right to the forefront, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... Have you, I mean, again, now we, we've got this, this you know, three-part process. We have this sample instrument and all that. And, you know, so we deploy this thing and we gather some feedback and then we consider what we do with it. Um, do you have any, you know, sort of anecdotes or things you can share about any communities you've seen who have used this where then they were able to adjust something within their practice that really made a substantial difference? Huh, let's see. Um, I guess I'm, I'm thinking of one parish some years ago where there were um, so, some comments that, that appeared in the notes that had to do with uh, in, in their environment. Um, it was, It's hard to see things that are going on around you if they if they fade into the background. Right. Um, I, a different story. I remember some years ago that, uh, the first parish that I worked in had these large candelabra up in front, uh, behind the altar and, um, they, they were just huge and they kind of almost dominated the landscape. Um, and I noticed them when I first started working there, but within a year they had become start part of the background, the static and, uh, sister Constance, who is the head of the worship office there in Washington, DC, uh, who worked in the worship office, uh, came to visit and said, are you, are you going to have benediction? And I said, uh, <laughs> no sister. Well, what do you mean? She said, well, you have these big candles out there. <laughs> you know, they were saying something entirely different to her is coming in from the outside because the, you know, the furnishings were 
were uh, didn't match what she saw what we were doing. So to get back to to this parish, they had like file cabinets out against one of the walls along the side. And so uh, the questions that came through in the assessment were along the lines of, are you noticing things that you have here in the space that kind of mitigate against focusing on on the the purpose of the worship and the beauty of the worship. And so they looked around and started saying, well, you know what? We have these file cabinets here that don't belong. We have this um, oh, hand sanitizer that's, uh, on, right. on, that's on a stand kind of out in the middle, and it's almost become one of those uh, – liturgical vessels <laughs> that you know everyone goes to before they approach the altar um so things like that where they were able to assess their liturgical space and say you know what we need to uh renew the focus we need to pay attention to those things that clutter clutter things up and make it um less possible for people to focus on what they do so in a way it was a little thing Right. But for them, it became a, a focus uh, that moved them into um, paying a lot more attention to their liturgical environment. Yeah. And and as a result, uh, made their liturgical celebrations more focused and more welcoming. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that I think that's great. And I think, you know, that's a good example of showing how, you know, some of the data or feedback that's coming back can be addressed in a way that's meaningful people notice mm -hmm. a change mm -hmm. like those yes. those ugly file right. cabinets are now gone and i think that's good but but <laughs> more importantly i'm sure what the underlying message was that was signaled is mm -hmm. there there is real communal ownership of of the liturgical life of this parish and we are taking and considering feedback and trying to address these things. I mean, that that's really validating um, that type of inclusion and consideration, mm -hmm, I think, mm -hmm, is really mm -hmm. helpful. So so let me ask you then, maybe, maybe my final question is, uh, before you spoke about the importance of asking right questions, right, we don't begin a survey by saying, you know, um, do we sing your favorite music or do you like the music, right? That's not an appropriate question, but, you know, right. it might be a matter mm -hmm. of, um, you know, did did such and such help you to pray or how did such yes. and such assist your prayer, right? Maybe a better mm -hmm. question. So, mm -hmm. so asking questions is important now. So we get this mountain of feedback. Um, what do you recommend in terms of how people can receive that information, parse through it, make sense of it, and and most importantly, honor the feedback that they're receiving. Because again, these are the real lived experiences, whether they're right. my experience, right. I share that or right. not, or agree with it or not. Mm -hmm. um, so how do we how do we make sense of all this once we collect it? Well, it, it seems to me what you have to do is is to make sure that you bring in the people. Uh, for for whom this matters and it gets gets to something that that uh, is very important right at the outset and that is you have to have the buy-in of anyone who has anything to do with with the liturgical celebrations you have to have the pastors buy-in and support for this process you have to have the school principals buy-in and support because uh, if, if your parish has a school there are school celebrations that are, happen in conjunction with parish celebrations and it all needs to be of one piece so uh these people need to be present at a report that is made when when uh when they hear the assessments uh presented and summarized so they can be part of the process that says you know we're noticing now these comments are coming up with a certain amount of frequency that has to be something important for us and so 
then they they need to uh, be part of, of a follow-up process that decides, okay, these are the things that we're observing. We need to set some priorities. We'll address this first, and then we'll address this next thing, and then we'll do that. And it may be that you have a long list of things that you know you're not going to get to. So then um, you should uh, maybe address the top three and then say, in three years, we're going to do this over again. And at, at, at that time, we'll, ask, we'll, we'll do a similar process and we'll see whether those three top three things have been addressed and how well and whether the other things that were uh, raised this time around have uh, whether they have improved or whether they need to become the next top three and so on and so forth. So it becomes an ongoing uh, part of the of the life of the parish that we we assess, we uh, list and prioritize, we work on, and then we go back and assess again. Um, and I think you need to make something public to the parish to say that we've done this process and here are the results and and um, to let people know that that this is going on in the life of the parish. Yeah, no, I think I think that's wise. I, I would imagine, too, it's helpful, you know, if, if you're somebody listening, thinking, okay, great, we're going to implement this process, that along with the formation of your group in terms of, you know, liturgical knowledge and liturgical catechesis, that you also want to make sure everybody is perfectly clear and understands what the outcomes are and what the procedures are and next steps are mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. so that, you know, right. it's not right. a matter of everyone expects, well, I put this on my form and I still see this happening. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. And, and, right. and I think right. I think that's not to say that that's not something that isn't important and will be addressed. But again, if you're going to focus mm-hmm. on three things, mm-hmm. maybe that was the fourth or the fifth thing. Or, right. Um, right. you know, you need to be able to, to intake that in a way that, again, honors people's experience. But what you don't want, again, is the unintended mess of you spent this time and provided us your personal feedback and now you felt ignored especially mm-hmm. if that's not in fact what's happening <laughs> sometimes right, i think people right. can feel that but you know i think we have to be we have to be careful about that um, yeah. So, so again, on our on our website in the show notes, people will find this three step process along with the um, assessment instrument. And then I think what's really helpful is you also have provided sort of a sample. Here's the type of feedback, you know, kind of amalgamated feedback uh, to be able to see, you know, if you wanted to get a sense of what types of um, responses you might get and how can you sift through it, you can see that sample. So under mm-hmm. each category, you know, there are eight or nine different responses to get a sense of what people might pick up on or how maybe maybe sometimes there'll be conflicting experiences so people right. can really start to consider what, what would we do with that. Um, and I think, mm-hmm. again, the more prepared going into a process like this, certainly the more successful it will be. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you, Mike, so much for joining us I, I, and for, for sharing these resources. Um, I, I, I do think welcome. this this will be, uh, you know, of great consequence to people. If if people wanted to find out more about this concept of, of liturgical assessment, are there are there any resources that currently exist that people can go to other than the ones that you're sharing with us? Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen many. You know, it's interesting as, as I was talking to folks about... Um, making this presentation, they're all saying, you know, there's not much for that out there. 
So, you know, it may be that uh, years ago people tried this and had a bad experience and they all said never again. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and nobody, <laughs> nobody's put anything out there or uh, I, I can't say for sure uh, what it is. But at, at this point, there's there's nothing that I can say definitively. You can go here and here's some material on parish yeah. liturgical assessment. There yeah. might be something you know in the in the coming years but yeah not well let's hope so and if anybody right and now. if anybody listening yeah. has done this or is thinking about doing this and does in fact implement it um drop us a line and let us know how it goes and we'll make sure that, uh, that yeah, we, i would like to hear about it too yeah that'd be great well thanks again mike i really appreciate it you're welcome we are one in the spirit we are one in the lord we are one in the spirit we are one Mike Novak is the Bulletin and Parish Resource Editor for World Library Publications. He holds degrees in theology from Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. and Spring Hill College in Mobile, Alabama. Prior to joining the editorial staff at WLP, Mike worked for eight years in the Office for Prayer and Worship for the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. With years of parish and campus ministry experience, he writes and presents talks and workshops on liturgy, music, the catechumenate, and the sacraments. He is a past member of the National Board of Directors of the Federation of Diocesan Liturgical Commissions and has taught Christian initiation as adjunct faculty at St. Francis Seminary in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He is the author of articles that have appeared in Ministry and Liturgy, Catechumenate, AIM, and prayer and worship. And now, it's time for this week's Ministry Moment. Today's ministry moment is drawn from a reflection written by Abbot John Clausen, OSB, entitled Energized by the Resurrection. If you go to the Great Basilica in Assisi, Italy, you will find the bones of St. Francis. If you go to the cathedral in Durham, England, behind the high altar you will find the bones of St. Cuthbert. But if you go to Jerusalem, under the great rotunda of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, you find only an empty tomb. That's why the women in the gospel are overcome with a mixture of fear and joy. They see the empty tomb. They encounter an angel sitting on the large stone as if on a throne. Do not be afraid. Go and tell the disciples, He is risen. Fear and Joy it is this core experience of the empty tomb and the personal encounter with the risen Lord that gives rise to Easter faith, faith in the risen Christ. Still, we doubt. How can we know that Christ is truly risen? It's the same question Paul encountered within the Corinthian community. We know Christ is risen, Paul says, because we share in the fruits and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is the sign par excellence of the resurrection. Our belief in the possibility of genuine human transformation is rooted in the resurrection of Christ. This change is not superficial, like a new hairdo or shirt. It is deep change, coming from the inside out, energized and guided by the resurrection of Christ. 
So, some questions. What do I want to do that is totally new for me because Christ is risen and I share in that resurrection? What do we as a community want to do that is totally new because Christ is risen and we share in that resurrection? John Clausen is the 10th abbot of St. John's Abbey in Collegeville, Minnesota. His reflection, Energized by the Resurrection, was published in the April 2018 edition of Give Us This Day from Liturgical Press. If you have questions about the topics you heard about today, let us help. Check out NPM's Digital Professional Development Resources and the Digital Publications Archive. Here you'll find dozens of programs and articles from the best teachers, clinicians, and musicians. You'll learn about music skills, liturgy, leadership, and more. If you are trying to find accessible information to help build your professional knowledge or the knowledge of your liturgical and music ministers, check them out. You can find it all at npm.org. As this podcast is meant to serve our members, we look forward to hearing your suggestions of topics for future episodes. You can email us at ministrymonday at npm.org. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode, and follow NPM on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We'd like to extend special thanks to Mike Novak for joining us. The recording you heard of They'll Know We Are Christians was produced by World Library Publications. The recording of Give Us Peace was produced by GIA Publications. Today's episode was produced by me, Matt Reichert. Thanks for listening. Have a blessed week, and we'll see you here again next Monday.